think there must be something wrong with me, Annika. Christmas is coming, but I'm not happy. I don't feel the way I'm supposed to feel. Is it all the papers you have to grade? Well, yes, probably. But the quality of the papers is a sign of the times. People don't think anymore, and they don't bother with nuance and persuasion. My own field, the field of literature, is either dismissed by anti-intellectuals or used for political purposes by the very people who are supposed to be interested in poetry or books for their own sake. I'm not just worried that I'll be out of a job, but also that old and young have dispensed with the reason and morality that made self-government possible. We're on a fast track to tyranny. I wish I'd been an inkling. People respected the past then. They weren't in such a hurry to tear down every possible institution and standard of behavior. These days, there's not a war on Christmas so much as a war on civilization and civility. So do all who live to see such times. Wait, what? What do they so do? They wish they lived in a different time. Didn't you say you wish you lived in a different time? I guess. Not really in those words. Okay, sorry. I was looking at my phone. So what do all who live to see such times do? Have there been times like ours that people have lived to see? Well, sure. You know, that time that Sauron nearly took over Middle-earth. But that didn't really happen. In... I don't have time for your technicalities, Chris. My point is that you're the only person I know who can complain about a lack of rigorous thought and then turn right around and say something so absurd. The Inklings had problems too, even at Christmas. I refuse to be subjected to another melancholic rant about the state of the world or the state of the liberal arts. If you'll excuse me, I'm going to get snowflakes on my tongue while ice skating. But that doesn't sound very... Safe. Another Christmas, another co-host lost. Rats. I was pointing out last time that the Christian life is simply a process of having your natural self changed into a Christ self. Welcome to the Inklings Variety Hour, where fans and scholars of C.S. Lewis, J.R.R. Tolkien, Charles Williams, and others discuss their works and lives. I'm Chris Pipkin, and I've written a very goofy Christmas play about the Inklings. I'll be releasing the table reading of the play in three parts between now and Twelfth Night, which is the last day of the Christmas season. I hope you enjoy it, and Merry Christmas. And now let's check back on our daring protagonist as he attempts to get some sleep. Ah, can't sleep. Too many existential dilemmas. And papers to grade. And also babies crying. Wait, what's that noise? It seems to be coming from the library. Okay, Chris, this is the home intrusion scenario you've been training for. So, silly string in one hand, collected works of E.R. Edison in the other. Wait a second. You're not a home intruder at all. You're, you're a ghost. It's me. I'm Kathy. I've come home now. So cold. Heathcliff, are, are you sure you've got the right house? Oh, dreads. There I go again. Sorry. Can't imagine how confusing it gets when the person you're hunting is a ghost. I bet. But you're ghost to be alive in a moment. My ghost? Oh, well, no, not your ghost. 
The ghosts you've been assigned! Oh, phew. You had me worried there for a moment. I was like, I'm not dead yet, am I? Glad to know... Wait, wait, you mean there is another ghost on its way? Wind ever blows, but it wonders as we say on the moors. Totals! Such a clatter. It's coming from my bathroom. Come in and know me better, man. Charles Williams? But what are you doing in my bathroom? Is that what you Americans call it? Well, bathroom or toilet or WC? The Mercy has disposed this confluence of ways. We have a mutual errand. What's that? It's a thing we both need to do. Oh, you first in that case. I'll, I'll wait outside here and, and you just let me know when you're finished. I didn't realize ghosts still... Uh... No, no, this is something far more urgent. We've been assigned to hunt an old friend's home two days ago last century. Take my hand. So you're not just the ghost of Charles Williams, you're the time-traveling ghost of Charles Williams? Some sort of ghost of past Christmases? I prefer to think of myself as a Christmas carol. Get it? <laughs> not really, no. What, what's, what's with all the clanking and clattering? What, what are you hiding under your cloak? Oh, you mean these? These are just the chains I forged in life. They uh, seem pretty inconvenient. Are, are they what you have to wear as penance because of your various uh, indiscretions? Indiscretions? You know, all that magic and adultery. No, my own impossibilities are not your affair. They will be dealt with in heaven by the omnipotence. In the meantime, I'm charged to bring people to the past so they stop idealizing it. Oh, but how? Simple. Coherence. Wait, wait, how? To the omnipotence, all time is eternally present. But wouldn't that mean that all time is unredeemable? Well, here we are, number 11 St. Mark's Terrace, Woodhouse Lane, Leeds, Christmas Eve, 1923, a humble home where a promising young scholar named Ronald applies his trade. Is that J.R.R. Tolkien? It is indeed! Let us watch him in his small, poorly heated study, smoking the old pipe as he marks yet another round of exams. Oh, these deadly dull exams. It's not just that they're bad, I could bear it then. They're so staggeringly boring, they're making me lose interest in my own field. Even something as wonderful as Werner's Law seems unappealing when they write about it. A schema for understanding why sound change laws deviate from Grimm's Law. Schema. Vague and dull. Doesn't even mention voiceless fricatives. Probably couldn't tell a voiceless fricative from a hole in the ground. Hmm. Hole in the ground. Daddy! Daddy! Oh, uh, hello, John. Daddy, uh, am I getting more pick for Christmas this year? Uh, pick-a-bricks? I, I thought you wanted lots of bricks. No, Daddy, I'm a pick-a-bricks man, you know. Yes. <clears throat> well, do keep an open mind. We will have to see what Father Christmas brings. Uh, Edith, John's up here. I'm still marking exams, love. Right. Sorry, darling. Michael's been burying all our cutlery in the garden. Will you be up here much longer? I'm afraid so. Look at this stack of papers. My students seem to think that if they write more, it'll somehow hit on the correct answer. Absolute epidemic of logoria at the university this term. Hmm. I wonder why your pupils are so prone to writing so much. Wherever did they catch this logoria from? What are you insinuating? I'm not insinuating. I'm implying. <laughs> What's the difference? Shouldn't you know, dictionary man? Now, don't be late. John misses you. I miss you. What about Michael? Michael does not feel your absence quite as keenly as the rest of us. He may have <clears throat> buried your spare pipe. Actually, I'd better go down there and see what new devilry he's up to. Come on, John. Let's leave Daddy to his precious exams. 
sounds as though they think I'd prefer it up here. Maybe I should call it an evening. But tomorrow's the 24th. If I don't finish now, I'll be working through Christmas Eve like some sort of dashed elf of the inferior variety. Dashed elves in their works. <laughs> and the whole time, my heart is sick for this fairy language, to which I have no business spending so much time adding to. Edith and the boys see me little enough as it is. I don't pray enough, I know that, and I don't write enough scholarship either. But every time I think about language or even mark these dull papers, a hundred new ideas come flooding in concerning the speech of my gnomes or a new lay. And if I'm lucky, if I can catch hold of a single... Oh no, it's the 23rd. The Father Christmas letter. John will be expecting it tomorrow in the post. Ah, let's see. North Pole, Christmas Eve, 1923. My dear John... It is very cold today, and my hand is very shaky. I am 1924. Oh, no, seven years old on Christmas Day. Lots older than your great-grandfather, so I can't stop the pen wobbling. But I hear that you are getting so good at reading that I expect you will be able to read my letter. Wait, I, I don't get it, Ghost of Charles Williams. What was all that supposed to prove? Well, now you see that great Tolkien had... Had what? Students who only vaguely remembered Werner's Law? Are you kidding? Modern college students really remember how to write and complete sentences. But Tolkien was torn between his responsibilities as a father, a teacher, a scholar, and a writer, and... Well, sure, but he... But I already knew that from reading Leaf by Niggle. And competing responsibilities just means he had a full life. But I'm worried about the state of the world, the state of my vocation, about the future. He doesn't seem to be fretting about that. Oh, yes. Well, things are better in their early 20s, apart from most of the young men in our generation. All of our friends have been killed a few years before. But you're right. Things were looking up. Oof. Fair point. Let's travel forward ten years, this time to Oxford in 1933. The Lewis brothers are having a drink together in the final day of Michaelmas term, waiting for an older Tolkien to join them. Well, that's all for now. I hope you enjoyed this first part of An Inkling's Christmas Carol. There are two more parts to come, so stay tuned. I'd like to thank Annika Smith for reading the part of Annika, and Serena Higgins for reading the part of Charles Williams' ghost, Kathy's ghost, and Edith Tolkien. Thanks to Serena's author circle for their help, especially on this episode, to Joe Hoffman for reading the part of Tolkien. I apologize for some of the sound quality in this, as well as some of the quality of writing. This is very much a table reading of a first draft, but I thought that in this case it was better to release something than to sit on it until it was exactly right. I really enjoyed writing it, and I thought that many of you might also enjoy hearing it. I'm deeply indebted to the author's circle for their help and encouragement on this, and if you'd like to join us, I'll include the link in the show notes. Next time, we'll drop in to talk with C.S. Lewis and his brother Warney in Christmas 1933. We'll hear Jack complain about Hitler and Xmas, and we'll hear him talk about why the second Shepherd's play is better than A Christmas Carol. And maybe, just maybe, my existential Christmas dread will be alleviated. If not, should still be fun. See you then and have a very Merry Christmas season. But all the clocks in the city began to whir and chime. Oh, let not time deceive you. You cannot conquer time.